Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is March 20th and uh, we survived daylight savings, I think. Did you recover from your whatever it was that happened last week? Yeah, well, I think that was fine, but people are still getting plagued by sicknesses and yeah. There's so we've got we've like grown significantly as a church, but then we've grown with families, so that means yeah, the, like with small children, so sicknesses like rush through our church life, and then like fully half the converse, congregation yeah. goes away, right? <laughs> so sick. Because everybody got a bad thing. There's the two things though that are going around. Well, one of them I don't mind, but the other one I very much do mind, and I do want all those little children, please. Not oh, the, the stomach one. Yeah, the like stomach, yeah, it's better. The stomach one spread throughout the country. Please, please don't come to church. And like yesterday, our, we had our our music director was sick, but he, I guess, had a premonition that he was going to be sick, so he recorded all the music on there. Our organ is electric, or what is it? Is it a, I have no idea. It's it's not a. We wish it were a. It's not a pipe organ. A pipe organ, but it's not. But it it still sounds okay. Um, but they. So sounds good, but they it has a function where you can record the music. So he recorded the music for Sunday during the week, knowing he's gonna be sick. It just was, that was very that was very adapt, overcome, and or what is it called? Uh, <laughs> it is, I can't remember, there's a three word adapt. I don't overcome. know. Um, Clint Eastwood uses it in oh, in well, movie. then I'm that's another this is another family movie we need to watch. It's Clint Eastwood, and it's about him becoming a Marine. Uh, a marine platoon sergeant over a bunch of recon marines who are lazy and he whips them into shape and they go and then they grenade in the 80s it's awesome our children really loved rocky yeah yeah i mean actually they didn't hate it as much as they they, they, loved, thought they, they were shocked by what a dystopian hellscape it looked like. The 70s. And you were like, well, it's yeah. the 70s. They were like, really? That's, I said, yeah, that's what it was like way back then. So they were shocked by the aesthetics. Uh, it was an interesting thing to watch altogether. So I guess, yeah, sure, we should go into the whole Clint, Clint Eastwood thing. I completely forgot what we were talking about. Like you just wildly changed conversations <laughs> on me suddenly. We we were going to talk about like today. You mean like no, I know, but what we were just talking about, not oh, what we are going to talk about. We're talking about sicknesses in the church. Oh right, <laughs> just, just I, oh I, what I, I wanted. Why would to, we change the subject about from sicknesses because that's so important? What I wanted to say though is because the organist wasn't there, but he was playing. It felt like the ghost of the organist was there it was very strange it was a little strange just to have it just would suddenly come on yeah. and i i found i don't know like all uses of technology in this world i find myself a little bit queasy <laughs> but anyway it was providential i guess it was really nice of him to do that so that yes. nobody else had to scramble Okay, well, we do have something to talk about, but first, I am so thankful to all my subscribers on Do Motivations with Anne. If you'd yeah. like to follow my Substack, you can follow me for free or you can support my work. And as a thank you to all the people who are supporting my work, that's what it says when you plunk the little thing in the middle yeah. support my you, work. Well, you don't have to just follow her for free. You could also, if you wanted to, have a paid subscription, subscription for $5 a month. Which we didn't give you access to. Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, As a thank right. you, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to do at least two paid posts a week. And I'm going to try to figure out how to move some of my archives over and have them under a paywall. I'm not, I don't understand. I'm not sure how that works. But more importantly we're going to do our regular preventing grace podcast but then we're going to stop and i have no idea how the tech the technology of this is going to work out an extra segment for for our demotivation um subscribers so i'm not sure we're going to try it today 
but we lack significant tech know-how and so we'll see if it goes this is a pretty big deal you have written well you've basically there are, there are these seasons we've, when we've not done it but you blog every single day every single weekday for the last what 16 years well i took most of last year off right we took like I, i'm just saying we took, we took breaks but really like, essentially you blogged every day for 16 years and you've for free you've never asked anybody to help you and support you so i'm well, very happy you're doing that it feels very strange and bad but i'm gonna go with it well, the my child the work, is about to be 17 and the workman deserves i wages i have done the work as they say so and i'm continuing to do the work i'm here to do the work so yeah i'm really grateful i have enjoyed blogging i'm going to uh be trying to have like a mix of fun things of serious things for free serious things um for subscribers fun things and not get stuck in any particular you know pattern right away and see how things shake out but i've I'm really, um, I'm, I do find, I, I had a miserable time last year not blogging. Like I really needed to take the break that I took because I was so tired. Yeah. Um, and then it was, it has been really hard to start again, but I feel like I'm getting back into my groove. Like I, the daily blog is something that's kind of held me in place for years. Right, right. I'm getting back into it. So it's good so but today we are going to talk about uh sheila ray gregoire and that's because for some reason you decided to listen to the great sex rescue which yeah. i haven't been well, listening it's a, to it's a, i haven't it's read increasingly it's a very popular book and it's being read by lots of people and some of the people that we know and love reading it. so we thought well since it has to do with marriage and sex and all that kind of stuff and we do uh we do marriage counseling then we should probably read it and we're uh we're working on our own marriage book i'm working on our own marriage book it's taking me forever so but one of the i things, am working on it yeah. and so that means that i am trying to read other people marriage marriage uh, other people's marriage Excuse books our dog here. What is he doing? Where are you going? What are you doing? If you hear licking, it's the dog. It's I imagine I have some people who are listening for the first time. And we, we, we record this from our... Our studio. Our studio. Which is our... our we wake up and we put a microphone in front of ourselves and record. And our dog is usually here in bed with us. So that's what the sound is. So, um, yeah. So she's... A lot of what she writes in The Great Sex Rescue is a response to or... Um, uh, yeah, in, in I, I'm trying not to use the word reaction because it's not totally reaction, but in response to the books that you and I would would have been given during our marriage counseling, except that, like uh, we, he said, she said, we uh, given, love and respect, or um, if we were given them, I very carefully sheet music, didn't read them. Sheet music? I didn't read that. That was like almost all about sex. I've read no books. It was all about, about sex. Yeah. The only book I've These ever read about books. marriage. Not, he should. He said she said it's not Christian, but but uh, the love and respect is. And what? The only the only book I've ever read about marriage besides Mrs. Miniver is which isn't about marriage. Uh, was the Tim Keller book? Right. That's literally the only yeah. book I've ever read. Yeah, she refers to that one too. Uh, marriage, the meaning of marriage, is what is, is Tim Keller's book, and we still recommend that to to couples when we. We do marriage counseling. That's just because we haven't written one. our own we, yet. We recommend that one. We recommend, I'm going to whisper his name because I'm going to get in trouble, but Doug Wilson. <laughs> Doug, Wil Doug Wilson's book on, uh, on child, children. children, which is what, um, I forget the name of it. Um, Standing on the Promises? Standing on the Promises, which is a superb book for child raising. So whether whatever you think of Doug Wilson, I like him, but if you don't like him, it's fine. But he has wrote, he wrote a good book. The um, good thing about that book for people who... Yeah are young parents is and don't they don't know how to identify or distinguish between the cuteness of a child and the rebellion of a child and we didn't know that right and we read the book and he describes it really well and then we were like oh that's what's going on and then when you know that 
that that's happening at very young ages is very easy and a very gentle correction and then you have a happy house yeah without a lot of drama and that definitely we have happened basically to us. followed his his guidelines for raising children for all six of our children and it's been it's been a joy it really has it is our children amazing. are really yeah. a very a very <clears throat> a pleasure to be around so we're grateful we didn't i didn't read any other child raising books either <laughs> so i'm i'm definitely That's not it. an expert in this field of reading those kinds of books so but most of the books like how how would we characterize the books in the 90s that dealt with marriage I mean, I didn't read them, so... They were... They, okay, so a lot of them were written... Well... The, it, okay, it's also at the same time Men Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus came out. So there's there's this kind of uh, increasing popularity of the idea that men need different things and than women do. Of course, it's not a new idea, but it's a... Uh, it, it began to be talked about in, in maybe new ways. Not just within the church, but in the secular secular culture. So the men have certain needs from a marriage and women do too. And one of the problems in communication and marriage is that women don't understand men and men don't understand women. So the, these books are all trying to help married couples figure each other out. Um, and so he said, she said is, is all about, I'm sorry, love and respect is all about the need that a man has for respect from his wife and the need that she has for affection from her husband. And in the, in that those two things are usually not in every single case, but those are two things. Those two things are usually um, the most prominent needs for for each sex. So well, and then out of that came the love language stuff. That was a, right. That was a big thing. What's your love language? What is yeah. yours? My love language. Yeah. What's it, my love language? Yeah. Well, I actually, I guess I know that. So that was a stupid question. <laughs> Mine is receiving expensive gifts. Yeah, yours is. Yeah, I know what yours is. Um, so, 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 but uh, the love and respect book then also talked about sex too. Like, like men have different ideas about sex than women do, or different needs sexually than women do in a marriage. And um, one of Sheila Gregor's critiques of these books when it comes to sexuality is that the the focus on sex was askew it was a little it was like it was focusing on a, a man and his his need for sex for sex uh and not and almost pretending the woman doesn't need to have that kind of that aspect of their life together and and not really talking about a woman's sexual needs and desires um in a marriage as if they don't exist and so so just kind of pleasing the man became the focus in a lot of these books um to get the man off the back off your back how <laughs> so, to get how to get the man how to, how to, get, the, how to get your man right 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 to right. stop right making your life more difficult <laughs> right right um now i didn't notice so how many of those books have you actually i read, read? a lot of them and i was like i read a lot of them Okay. And I, I thought there were one. Okay. So two takeaways from those books you'll finally, you'll, you'll, you'll get is if you're, if you like literature and you like, and you like you the like English read, language, you're not you're, going, you're to not going to like these books. They're, 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 <laughs> they're, they're, they're written in a really cringe way. It's, it, it's as, as the Utes would say, they're cringe. It's like and utilitarian. Utility. Yeah. Yeah. And a very surface level kind of light. Not a really deep dive into which into the topic of, personally is definitely not what I'm looking for a deep dive into the topic of well just sexuality. relating not just sexuality just relating to just male female relations like it doesn't do a really deep deep dive into it um and uh the second thing you'll take away from it is um the real I mean I don't know you can't even do this anymore really maybe in Christian circles you can still but the essentialism of male and femaleness. There's a, there's a, the today's adoption of trans ideology is, would be re repulsed by the essentialness of even the cultural, the, the, the secular books on 
on marriage from the day. He said, she said, for example. They're out of yeah, fashion. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, and it, you know, and I guess if you go back today and you read some of the, those books, you're going to think, oh, this is so stereotyped. This is so typed. But one of the reasons that is is because they become so popular. They became so ubiquitous. Everyone knew what those types were. Right, right. Um, so that's kind of a bigger conversation that someday we should have. Yeah, yeah. So in the Christian circle, I mean, the, the Christians' books were also grounded on the idea. I mean, most of them, I, I'm trying to think of anyone that wasn't, but, you know, there wasn't a big egalitarian movement within evangelicalism at in the 90s. It was pretty much a complementarian view had won the day. So there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a sense of, there wasn't a, anything like what we have today. Um, and, and so you, that, that tenor is throughout the, the Christian books. That, There's a lot of, they make a lot of assumptions that everybody's kind of on the same page about this stuff. And we're just right. arguing about, we're not arguing, we're just talking about deep practical details right. right there's a there's a one theological worldview that kind of holds right through right. them right. which was that sex is basically good and marriage is mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. and uh you know it, sort of broad evangelicalism is good and we don't have very many problems except that if only we could get our children to keep going to church. We should probably say that if you up. have children listening to this, you might not want to have them listen to this episode because the, if we're going to review or partially review Sheila Grobor's book on sex, she's fairly explicit in places, and so you might want to not have. Well, that's why I don't want to read it. Your children. You're gonna. You're gonna like probably. I'm gonna make try me use... read this book, and I really don't want to read it. But <laughs> you've read the set. You're reading the second. I'm one. I'm reading the second one, which is "She Deserves Better," and. I've been blogging about it and I'm going to keep going through, I don't know, each chapter I did. The last one was on chapter four. And so yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not happy with this second book. So I'm not happy overall. with the first one, but I will, I mean, we should say there, there there's, okay. So, so there's some very, so there's some very helpful and good things in the first book that I can see why I can see why, if you were raised in say the purity culture or you were raised in a in a uh, a really strict form of that you would find this book maybe helpful for you and then again there are some some truly helpful things in it um so one of the let me just, let me start off the good should i start with the good stuff yeah right. i mean this is your review i haven't listened to it at okay. all i don't I don't know what I think about it because um, I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm, I'm so it does like it, it is very helpful. I just want to say when we do our marriage counseling, I always try not to be there for when the one time when we have to talk about marital unpleasantness. <laughs> like I, I just think it's the sort of thing that one should not speak about, and so I'm. I'm not the audience for a book called The Great Sex Rescue. <laughs> so generally, and we said this before, generally I think a lot of the things that are communicated in the book probably were it would have been communicated by mothers to daughters or fathers to sons. Well, no women around the well. Okay. Women around the like well. Like when there was a community of women, maybe things would have been communicated from one person to another. Right. Uh, and the fact that these books exist and did ex and existed for the last 50 years uh, it says something about the culture that I think needs to be interrogated, as they say. The very existence of the books needs to be discussed at a later time. Um, so the fact that you have to you you have to pick up a book that tells you how to be in marriage is uh the sign of cultural dissolution right right <laughs> right so uh the the 
premise, one of the premises of the book is that women are not, not all women, of course, and but many women, many married Christian women are not able to enjoy sex. And that's wrong because women, God made women's bodies to be, to, to enjoy that just as much as men's, maybe in a different way, but, uh, well, yes, in a different way, because we have different, different organs, but, but the, it shouldn't be that more women, that women find, the number of women who find sex unenjoyable, find it unenjoyable. So, so why is that? Too, too great a degree of women yeah. find it unenjoyable. Right. Right. So why is that? And, um, and so she talks, she spends a lot of time talking about what pleases a man versus what pleases a woman and how men, um, and, and women have been trained to focus on the male side of the equation and not, not the female side of the equation because of the assumption that women just don't, aren't the same kind of sexual creature that men are, which is true, but that doesn't mean that women don't want to enjoy sex either. It's just that their their bodies are are, are different, um, differently constructed. So the husband needs to learn that about his wife and, uh, and, and, and so that they both can enjoy sexual, you know, because I'm kind of being very sensitive in my language here. So I don't want to get, I I really don't want to be too explicit, but, but, but a a large part of the book is, is for, women to realize they can enjoy sex and for men to understand how they can help their wives to enjoy sex. And, and so it's not, it's not just his thing. Which I just want to say, if anybody's gone, come to us for premarital instruction, we've literally said every time over and over, like we've are, we've always said this men and women are different. Yes. The man cannot just assume that what he likes the yes. woman likes he ought not to assume that he needs to make we've said a study of his wife yes. to discover in all realms of her life what she is like and what she likes and if he isn't doing that he's not doing his job his right. one job right and and we said that in the in the you know like every other aspect of marriage sex is something where you give yourself for the other person you you are uh, you're sacrificial sacrificial in your love for the other person um seeking their joy over and above your own and that's i think um really important for men to hear and and women too it's, it's, young it's, women young yeah. men yeah have yeah. to hear that yes. in a maybe a peculiar way right and maybe hear it as they say seven times to hear especially it with time. pornography i mean this is another another really good thing that she in her book is is the sections on pornography and how that how that destroys everything it destroys uh, men. It destroys male understanding what sex is supposed to be about. Um, women also are increasingly indulging in pornography, and it, it does the same thing for them. It, it, dis- it disconnects pleasure from the marriage and connects it to something else. And and so that you, uh, even if you're with your wife or with your husband it's not the same as your, your, your mind has been retooled so that you're more interested in looking at images of other people. And, and so it becomes more difficult to have actual um, enjoyment with a marriage with your wife or your husband. Really good section on that. Um, and on how, how that needs to be, how to, how, how to, and how to get out of that. Yeah. So this is really, it's really helpful. So a really helpful book on women's sexuality, on the need for men to be more giving of themselves for their wives in that regard, and and for women to recognize that sex isn't just for men. It's, yeah. So you said it was quite practical, like it gave instructions. Yes. So if a young man or any man was very unsure about what to do or how to be with his wife, and he picked this book up, he would discover some practicable right. help yes. for how to do that. And some possible reasons why there's problems, right? So he would go, oh, I see now why she's why she hates to be with me. Why she hates to be with <laughs> Right. But I, I, here's the thing. I, I still wouldn't recommend this book, though, because I think it's, I think there's some the problems uh, in the book outweigh the, the good parts in my mind in my mind but the but there are some really good helpful things and if, if it had been written in another 
without those problems, it would be a book to recommend. Having said that, you know, we got to, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, there was a little bit of a decadence to it in that, you know, we, this culture needs to have children. <laughs> we need children. And Denny Burt posted, pointed, pointed to this in his review, or I don't think he was even reviewing her book. He was just talking about the focus on sexual pleasure rather than reproduction is, is off kilter a bit. Yes. God has designed our bodies so that we have pleasure and sexuality, but he's, but, but the reason he did that is not just for the pleasure itself, but also because of the reproductive. Like men and women are, are in sort of an instinctual uh, way supposed to be driven towards each other for the procreation of children. Like right. there, it's a force sexuality the desire for sex is a force that pulls people together even and then societies have to do everything they can to keep this within boundary in order to uh have children but have them in the right way right it's the it, it it's the baseline of how cultures are formed if you don't have people having children uh, but having them in the right way you don't have culture but in our culture, as many people have discovered, it's an anti-culture and people do not have to have sex with each other. Young are, you know, the Gen Z, there's, it, the rates of people having sex and having children is falling precipitously in Western cultures because they don't have to. There's the, this force has been so um, technologically altered that it no longer pulls people together yeah. so that the rest of society is trying to manage and create boundaries for something that is both good and dangerous. So it is really decadent if you have to tell people to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people well, should be having children. Right. Is right. what they should be doing. Right. Yes. And I think we've really, we've really taken a, you and I have, have come to the conclusion just recently. Whereas before I was thinking, you know, some forms of birth control, like condoms, for example, there's, you, I didn't, I didn't see a biblical reason why a couple can use them, but, but increasingly, I, I think I was wrong. I'm pretty sure we were, I'm pretty sure the whole West has been wrong about except for the Roman Catholic church has been wrong about birth control from the beginning because it, because now the focus becomes so heavily on pleasure and on that you actually lose something you lose. When you focus on pleasure, you, you lose, lose pressure. You lose, when you focus on happiness, you lose happiness, right? Whenever you, unless you are concentrated on the thing for which the thing was designed and you submit yourself to the right. reality of that thing, you lose everything. You don't get right. all the things that you're trying to have. And the first biblical command is be fruitful and multiply. And, and I, yeah, so I, think, I feel like I told you this. Yeah. I said this. I know I, know. I was wrong. And you, Quiet. and you looked at me like Quiet. what? And I said it several months ago. I had a Quiet. whole, I had I'm, a whole I'm theological the, structure the that <laughs> here I'm commanding you to, Silence. Okay. Well, Silence. I just I just Silence. thought of this myself. <laughs> Silence. And then you, quiet, are now saying it as if it was your idea, <laughs> and it really wasn't. The, of course, for, um, for some women, like the pill is a medical thing, not a, a birth control thing, right? Isn't? It? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's well some medical reasons why some women. <laughs> I, this is a whole different podcast about how much the medical industrial complex is uninterested in the biological realities of women. <laughs> Okay, we shouldn't go there. So, I just would All have right. much to say on the subject of women's right, so biology and how uninterested, how quickly it is medicated away, like a lot of the problems, right. not just fertility, but beginning with fertility and going on from there. Right. Everything is just coped with by pretending it doesn't exist. So a lot of things... So just kind of sum up the good, some of the good things about this book is, uh, you know, if you're, if you were, if you were raised faithfully in a Christian home, um, 
but you're you didn't have a lot of and you had you didn't have any act you didn't watch pornography or do anything like that and you're a man right going into your honeymoon night you I mean it's gonna be a it's not gonna be a fun time for you <laughs> it's probably not gonna be fun well I wouldn't say that necessarily but you're it's totally frightening and scary you have no idea what what's I mean, you, you know what to do but it's it's you know having a head knowledge and <laughs> it's different, than, different than actually being able to do the thing so so this book is helpful in that it 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 takes away some maybe false uh, expectations and some and and explains what what really it, it should be like between a male and a female so that's, that's really good now I, I i'm a convert so i came into christianity at 26 so a lot of the things that this book is describing i knew just from my non but you should not have known them but i you should did. not have known them but i knew them so I, I was trying to read this to somebody who didn't know how how things work so it would be again a helpful those parts of it would be helpful for someone who didn't know how things work. Okay, so what are the parts that I find I find less helpful? To what, be completely diplomatic. Yes, <laughs> I I think in the first place there is a strong emphasis on what a woman feels harms her, which is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I should caveat this. I don't think that's bad, but they the the a lot of the argument of the book is grounded in or founded upon the foundation of, of a pole or not a pole, a study of 20,000 women and their, and their responses to different phrases that are said within evangelicalism, different ideas that were given to them about sex within the purity culture and how those have, have played out in their, in their sex life and with their husbands. And whether they've made it, whether they've been, they've created harm in their life with their husbands, or they've helped. And by and large, a lot of the things that they were taught in within the purity culture would, would be categorized as harmful. Um, I guess the problem I have with that framework is, okay, it's it's a def, the, the harm that comes to a woman is, is an important metric, or the, the harm that a woman feels anyway is, is, a, is, a, is an important metric. But because we're fallen people, sometimes things that are good don't feel good right so 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 if if a woman feels harmed or doesn't feel like the idea of of a husband being her head is helpful for her that doesn't mean the idea is bad it doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean the truth is wrong it just means that it's it's hurt it's hit her hit her in a way that has rub, run up against her flesh, right? So she's got that, that you don't change the, you don't change the truth to make the woman feel better about sex, right? So, so and now, now Sheila Gregor doesn't think she's doing that, but I do think in some cases she goes that, she goes to that place. Um, she's not intending to, to say that. I don't think she's that. intending to say that, no, no, but, 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 but when you, when you set up a book based on how women feel rather than what the truth is as your as a, as a baseline i guess you're, you're i think you're going to fall into that even though you, you may not mean to um so this is why in not in not in this book but subsequently she has become very anti-complementarianism and and i don't think she's grounded her her reasons reasoning on the truth of the matter but on the um on this her research into what women find helpful or harmful. and i think like well i think this is gonna have to be a secondary podcast because um i think you can we could talk about complementarianism egalitarianism another time but one of the reasons why that distinction exists within christianity like one yeah. of the reasons we have that divide is because Techno technology and the pill in particular have radically altered the way that men and women think of themselves. And so when women go to read the scriptures now, they, in some sort of deep emotional sense, are not able to understand the emotional landscape of the scripture. They don't even see the way that men and women are in the Bible 
because, because technologies remove the need for a gendered reality, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And so we have now we are living with a false dichotomy, basically egalitarian, complementarian, that has come about because we have technologically altered the biological realities of women. Now, I think that is a huge thing that we have to talk about that has, that's a theological thing as well. We're kind well. of reconstructing a biblical relationship between male and female based on what used to be, well, based on the scriptures. Yeah. And then based on what used to be the necessary division of labor and division of... Right. We, uh, we, are, we are remembering something, but we're not, like, emotionally remembering something when we look at the past. So, so, compl- so a lot of complementarians look to the 50s or whatever others look to the 1800s i would say we actually have to go back to 1350 <laughs> in order to recover gender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so and it's interesting to me that beth allison barr in her book goes back to ding. like 1450 ding, 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 or whatever she goes she's trying to do this as well but she is trapped within her own ideology. Ideology, and interestingly enough, Gregoire has her on a podcast where they yeah this chat is, together. Yeah, this so. is another reason why I feel we we could never recommend Gregoire because she she promotes people who are heretics like Beth Allison Barr and, and KK DeMay. Um, ding ding ding. Yeah. So so well. Anyway, Which that's tells a you different, about discernment. So um, that's like a right. bigger. Yeah, that's yeah. another set of conversations. But okay, so look, just an example of this. So she, first of all, she says that people who are complementarian tend not to live that way. So uh, if they have good marriages, right? If you have a good marriage and you're complementarian, it's because you're not really acting out your complementarianism in your marriage, um, and that in fact is really a functionally egalitarian marriage. And women don't react sexually respond sexually when they don't feel like their voices are being heard and they don't feel like they have any kind of say in what's happening um i would agree with that second point and disagree with the first point um so 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 it's so all of that to say that if from gregor's view if you're actually if you are actually living out a complementarian life in the way that she perceives a strict complementarian life that's your your wife is probably not enjoying sex or sex because she's not but she right. you said she does not actually describe a real complimentary in life right so she i don't think she, I think she kind of caricatures it straw person she either says if it's working then you're not really doing it and if you're really doing it it's not working <laughs> so so um so i think you and i have uh, a relationship in which do you feel like you have a say in our marriage? Do you have? Do you, can, can you tell me? Well, I just tried to say something, and you just told me to be quiet. So, <laughs> so well, I'm going to go with the second. I'm going to go ahead and say no. I think you're completely authoritarian, and this podcast is a complete sham. <laughs> no, I mean the whole basis of our relationship is that we bash at each other to one degree or mm-hmm. another. Like we're very combative. Your love language is 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 fighting, and as a good wife a a properly submitted wife i discovered that early on that if you were going to be a happy man keep my man happy i was going to have to fight with you all the time which i do i bring the fight every day to you and that's the way that you are we have an enjoyable happy uh and i don't i always put myself second and i'm always willing to fight with you (laughs) even if i i myself don't feel like fighting on any given day and I, when I have the money, buy you expensive gifts. So right. It, it so we've learned each other's love languages. <laughs> but but interestingly, another thing I did learn about you is that you have, like all men, a very sharp ear for disrespect, and that uh, the manner of the fighting is as important as the fighting. And you can't just come in and destroy the ego of the person you love. You cannot talk down to them like they're a child. And yeah, so, I think women don't understand that. Yeah, I just I think that in general, the the, the egalitarian women don't understand that. But it, but many complementarian women don't understand it either. Right, like disrespecting, sure. which is I would say, 
how do you see what disrespect is? It's, it's being condescending. It's taking the position of the mother. It's not letting the man be who he is. It's trying to manage or control. It's a whole range of things. It's where you say to the other person, you have to be in this, you have to, you have to, uh, role play your personhood in a certain kind of way that is basically submissive to me and mm -hmm. who I'm role playing. Mm -hmm. So you're LARPing and it's very bad. It, it really shuts down the oxygen as the love respect people say, you're the elephant standing on somebody's air hole. They can't breathe if you're condescending to them. Right. They can't hear you. They can't care about you. They just want to get out. They just want you to get off of their air hole. And men who don't communicate deep love and affection for their wives cut off their oxygen By supply. By listening to their voices and hearing them converse. Hearing them converse. converse. Right. And then women who condescend and disrespect, condescend to and disrespect their husbands. I mean, and you can't, if you can't hear your own disrespect, right? you need to back up because if your husband is angry with you all if the he's time retreating from or retreating, the yeah. you're probably disrespecting him. And, and you need to fix that. Yeah. You should so fix you, it. You may, your tone. Be, you yeah, have a tone problem. Like, so, so this is where the, the, this is where the, he said, she said, I'm sorry, the, the love and respect book I thought was really helpful and good. This is why people loved it because it, it did explain the mystery of why men what men need and what women need while it got some things askew it was it was that it was that it was very, really helpful that was a helpful uh, insight um so anyway this so the so so sheila gregor takes i think the idea of a woman not being able to be happy in her marriage if she feels like her voice is not heard um, which is true right um but i think she she assumes that complementarianism worked out in a consistent way produces that, which I, I, I think that's a, I, think I don't a, think I that's think true. A, that's yeah. a, I think it's a, car a caricature and a cartoonish version of, and, of complementarianism. And it doesn't go and, into what happens right. on the egalitarian side. Like it really doesn't cope with the question of what happens for quote egalitarians. Right. And that, that is always just passed over as if, if it's, if it's like a utopian kingdom over there and right. it really isn't right so the second thing that i found problematic is her understanding of male sexuality and um so in, in the first place the gospel is not present for men in this um in her book in her book right so so when she's talking about the problem of male lust and pornography and and the sex drive for the male she makes a very right and true point that that a male a man lusting is not a female's fault like it's, it's, if, if you're if you're dressed immodestly and a man is lusting after you um yes you shouldn't dress immo immodestly but you're not the one making him lust right he, he's he's that's his sin and 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 i in in some cases in the past according to her anyway in, in several purity culture contexts it was communicated oh no that's that's the woman's fault not the man's fault having said that i i don't remember i mean i i, I wasn't raised in purity culture you were but when i when i became a christian in the 90s it was the height of purity culture and i remember very clearly being told as a young unmarried man you better watch yourself right you're not check yourself before check, you wreck yourself right. um so, uh, so Sheila Gore says that, um, that men, one can exercise self-control, right? Um, and which is, which is true. This is true. She says one way, um, one da damaging thing has been told to men in the past is you can't, um, is that every kind of, every look at an attractive woman, every attraction is lust. The, 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 she says that the purity culture conflated recognizing beauty um with with lust and it's not and a man should be no should know that he's free to see a beautiful woman but then he has to cut himself short from imagining all kinds of sexual things about her right and dressing her with her eye, his eyes or whatever 
uh, as an example of this, she uses, and Denny, Denny Burke brought, brings this out, a husband and a wife, and the husband, I guess, was raised in the, the purity culture, and they're in on a, on a nude beach, or topless beach in France. <laughs> And like he's he's like trying to bounce like we, the, the purity culture men were taught to bounce their eyes when they see something attractive to bounce their eyes away so they don't lust. So he's like he's kind of naked French women right, and he's trying to bounce his eyes, <laughs> and he's finding himself to be very difficult. He's finding the task to be very difficult. Okay, so like, there's a lot of questions here. Like, why are you at? <laughs> Why are you on a fr- uh, yeah, why are you in other, France? Why are you in topless beach in France and um <laughs> in the first place? But uh the second question would be um so she says he should be able to recognize the beauty of a naked woman <laughs> without lusting of after I'm gonna say no to that. Yeah, I think I think there's like I, I think there's like it seems to me that she is imposing a female sexual sexualness sexualness on a male. Because I think women, women can, not always, but I mean, women. I, she's right. She says she says this that the, I, the 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 stereotype that women are not visual is not true because women are visual. It's just maybe in a different way. Um, but but I don't think she understands the strength, the urgency, the the power of the sexual drive in a young man. I'm an older man now. It's not as bad as it was, but when I was a younger man, it's just it, it's just unrelenting and terrible, even without porn, even if you don't have access to the internet. I mean, this is this is not something that just popped up in the '50s. Right? This has happened, or in the in the, in the '90s when pornography started happening. Men, the, this, the 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 unrelenting, strong sexual drive of male is something that every culture has recognized and known since the beginning since the fall yeah right, right? Uh, now that's not to say that <clears throat> so so men are men have perpetually had problems with c- controlling their minds and their eyes and, their, and that's why right. culture exists of keeping young women in in situations where they don't encounter male sexuality until they've gotten married to it right and set up their houses yes so it's pretty naive to to not take that into account right. and so, recognize it. So it's really, so she says it's, um, especially once you have the Holy Spirit, she uses Colossians 3 for this. You, your whole task now is to control, control your lust and you can. And okay, that's fine. But I'm going to say in response to that, that there are sins that we cannot overcome. There are some sins that no, 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 not that's not because of anything wrong with God, anything wrong with the Bible, but because because of our flesh being so powerful, some sins are going to beset you for your entire life. Some women are going to not be able to not envy. They 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 know it's wrong. They're not saying it's right. They're not. They're trying to control it, but they're they're still going to be overcome by envy. Some men for their whole lives are going to have times when they're overcome by lust, and um. And to tell them we'll just try harder isn't helpful. That's not what you tell to, to tell to a sinner who's failing. Try harder. You tell a sinner who's failing the gospel. You can be forgiven. Confess your sin. Go to Jesus. He will forgive you your sin, and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You, and then do it again. And then you and then that confess happens again over and over. tomorrow. Yep, you that happens again. Confess yeah. again Especially tomorrow. as a 17, 18 year old boy. I mean, my goodness. I mean, it's, 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 some of the things she's saying are, are I felt were, were somewhat inhuman. Um, uh, and I wouldn't. Want, I would not want. This is why I would not want a, a young man to read this book, because he would feel crushed and yeah. destroyed. Yeah. So. And that, incidentally, isn't good for women. Right. Men who are, I think this is such a a, a big mis big naive thing for Christians. Look at the way things are going in the world. Christian women don't want the ego of their men to be destroyed because that doesn't produce good men. Weak men are not good men. Right. Destroyed men are not good men. Right. Strong men who learn how to be uh, strong are good men. Right. So don't right. make weak men as a way of controlling male sexuality, right. which is what it feels like she might be trying to do. Well, she's so one thing that she says is terrible is that when men are married and they're trying to overcome pornography, 
um, that they they'll cut themselves off from pornography and then they'll they'll direct their sexual needs to their wives, um, and and she says that's bad because it then produces like your your wife then becomes like the receptacle for your lust um, instead of instead of pornography, and so you kind of use your wife like like a porn star, and and to the extent that a husband trying to wean himself off pornography uses his wife like a porn star. Yes. Don't do that. Your wife is not a porn star and don't try to do some of the weird, crazy weirdness that you see in the pornography on your wife. Don't do that. But the whole purpose of marriage, or not whole purpose, I'm sorry. One purpose of marriage with regard to sexuality is so that the male <coughs> is, is does redirect his sexual desire to his wife. Right. He's supposed to desire her. Right. And only her. Right. So so it's a good thing if you are addicted to pornography, if you cut that pornography off of your man and you redirect your desire, you ask Jesus, help me desire my wife more than anything else, more than anyone else. And then you you refuse to look at pornography and instead, uh, yeah, fine, fantasize about your wife. Seek your wife out sexually. But and what's going to happen, though, is your young wife is going to be overwhelmed <laughs> That's what, she said. That's, what she, that's what Sheila Gregoire says. Is it? Is it? Is well, it, that's true. And, then and, but, she. Well, she says that it's a, you know, it's a terrible thing. Like, no, that's that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah, and, um, in the give and take of sexuality within a marriage, uh, it is sometimes necessary for a wife to be with her husband when she doesn't want to have, have sex, and not. And I'm not saying in a painful way or a coerced way or a. Uh, uh, by a, a abusive way, never, never, but in a self-giving way, and then by and vice versa. What's interesting is you're going to find as you get older that not every couple, but in many couples, the the sex quotient reverses so that women become more desirous of sex than the male does because he's older. And and the same thing holds. The the male will need in those circumstances to, to be with his wife when maybe he doesn't have the same desire that she does because you're married and you love each other and your bodies belong to one another. That of course means does not at all mean any kind of coercion or or abuse or yeah you know, and I believe that within a marriage there rape happens and that's that's always horrific and should never happen but but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about a, 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 a healthy give and take in a in a marriage which needs to happen if a man is going to redirect his lust toward his wife redirect his desire toward his wife what happens is that <clears throat> the lust is transformed by God yes. and the Holy it, Spirit. It, so she doesn't a become a receptacle desire. or like a, a porn right. star for his has her. That doesn't happen. It's gonna, it's gonna feel disordered for a while because the you're you are trying to heal from something that is disordered and wrong. But as you climb out of that, you are going to gradually. It doesn't happen overnight. Become changed and have your relationship with each other healed. Uh, a man can heal and marriage is one of the chief ways that men are healed by God's grace yeah. from terrible things. Right. Right. But it is in a world where women are taught that they don't have to experience anything they don't like. Well, I don't know. It, it's emotionally maybe difficult for young women to uh, discover the intensity of male sexuality. Right. And, 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 and the tendency, it sounded like it in this book, but I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say this definitively, but it was a, that intensity is something that's negative and needs to be controlled. Um, and it, insofar as it moves outside the marriage, yes, it does. But, um, but directed toward the right person, in love and it's it's not it's not a, it's not a bad urge to be with your wife it's not bad at all um, i think I and mean, this is getting to be really long there's one thing you said to me that she uh -huh. likened she's used the cookie thing i think we should you should correct that that a man's sexuality is like a cookie and I'm trying to think of the, the, the woman when she's saying no to the man is just not oh right him his yeah cookie. yeah yeah so so she's saying like so she's she's talking about first Corinthians seven where where Paul like very in a very revolutionary way says not only does the wife owe not the, her husband conjugal rights which everybody would say that 
throughout all ages. But the, the husband owes conjugal rights to his wife, which is was kind of new, right? This, mm -hmm. um, and and so their bodies don't belong to each other. They or to themselves. They belong to each other, and they don't. They shouldn't withhold one another those rights, except for, uh, for except when it's agreed upon for a certain time. So. So Sheila Gregora is saying, okay, well, does that mean that a wife can never say no to her husband? And um, and she says, and first of all, yes, the wife can. I'm, I'm not saying the wife can't, so we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But um, but she says uh, that that text is being misread. And it, it's really like, you know, if, if your child is hungry, or I'm sorry, if your child wants a cookie, right you're or a treat of some kind some kind of sweet treat and you say no you're not withholding what's needed from that child you're still giving the child food you're just saying not you don't have you can't have this cookie right now um but you can um, you're not withholding anything from the child and she's that's the analogy she uses to explain when why a woman can tell her husband to go jump in a lake <laughs> if he wants to have sex and she's if she's basically giving him sex but just at that moment, moment, point in time, she doesn't want to. Um, so no, first of all, you're not the mother, yeah. <laughs> and then he's not the father, right? You're, you're, this is your, this is your husband, not your not your child, right? Um, and and second of all, oh, well, a better analogy, a real analogy yeah. would be if you went to your husband and wanted to talk to him about something, and he said. Uh, no, I'm not going to give you a cookie right now. We're going to talk in a few days when it's good for me to talk. Yeah, it's not. No, the 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 analogy is not a cookie. It's the the conversations that you have with your husband. You have to feel emotionally connected to your husband through uh, talking to him and unburdening your soul on him, and then you'll be able and want to have sex with him, mm -hmm. and uh, he will be able to listen to you unburden your soul when you have sex with him it's a circle of of yeah. giving the 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 corresponding thing for women is emotional connection through conversation i know that's like you know everybody wants to debunk that but it can't be debunked like husbands have to listen to their wives talk every day right. that's and, and, and the if need a man for a woman says, to talk is like it's 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 as it's strong insatiable it's insatiable it's like yeah it's as strong as male sexuality is the need to talk my me. needing to listen to you you never get to the end of that bucket <laughs> like you listen that, to me okay, talk we had a all great day conversation she's gonna be happy no no i still have more to say yeah, yeah. and you and the look of despair in your eyes when i begin to talk <laughs> again is is <laughs> profound but it would be like if i wanted to talk to you and you and you said I'm, I'll talk to you in a few days. I can't do that right now. It's not a good time for me. And right. I don't want to right now. It's not, right. I don't feel emotionally in a good place to, to hear you talk right. and, and to respond to you. That's the corresponding thing. And so yeah. if you want to understand male sexuality, you have to understand the woman's need for emotional connection through right. speaking. And now, not that sexuality it. is not an emotional connection for a male. It is. This is. It's. It's a very but deep emotional need, but it's a different. It's different, yeah, yeah. and the deep emotional men have their deep emotional needs. I know it's it's shocking to say, through sex, that's where they discover yeah. how much they're. And she the says that she she recognized that, but just a bit. Um, I don't think she, I, again. I think I get the sense that she doesn't understand. It's just like a male writing a a, 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 a book about sex for women. <laughs> Which is, I mean, you can basically get it sometimes, like just if you read the right books. But you're not a man, or you're not a woman, so you're not going to get it totally. And it's you're you're, and in some ways, you're going to do a disservice to the females you're writing for. Um, um, so any, anyway, I don't want to get we're already at an hour. Um, but I think that element in in that you're. The giving the man a cookie element becomes more pronounced in the, the book you're reading. She deserves better because it sounds like she goes full on girl boss and yeah, and and and, and she deserves better. Yeah, um, I think uh, it's not as it's not as prominent in this book, but it, it is there. Right? So when you what you were saying about she deserves better made sense going back and reading um, 
reading the great sex rescue well now we've gone on for an hour yep. so we are going to cut this off and try to do a, a little bit of an extra bonus for if, you, if an hour is not enough we got good news for you we've got good news for you, you we can actually pay money to hear us talk for so another few minutes <laughs> right well no this is for people who have already paid money yeah but, yeah. but if anyway, you want to pay money too well yeah you could do that too but uh, thank you so much for listening, and maybe we'll be back next week.